Looking to buy or sell a home? Make sure you have the knowledge you need with a professional home inspection from National Property Inspections Fort Wayne, covering hundreds of homes' vital systems from roof to foundation. MPI also offers radon, mold, and pest inspections to give you complete peace of mind. Plus, every home inspection comes with a free six-month warranty. NPI is a veteran-owned, family-operated business that's proud to serve our local community. Call 260-705-9835 to schedule your inspection with MPI, Fort Wayne's premier home inspection service. Get $25 off your home inspection when you mention code NPI25. Hey there, my name is Tyler Morningstar, and I'm here with my co-host and mom, Carrie Morningstar. This is the Selling Fort Wayne podcast. This podcast is focused on all things real estate related in and around the Fort Wayne area. We'll also touch on some community events and some community outreach as well. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Selling Fort Wayne podcast. This is Tyler Morningstar with my co-host and mom. Carrie Morningstar. We have two very uh, special guests with us today. We have Tom and Jim Kelly from Kelly Automotive Group here in Fort Wayne. And we wanted to talk to them a little bit about their business, but mostly kind of the, the things they do in the community with Fort Wayne. And I think they're proud of the work that they do here in the community. We wanted to give them a chance to, to talk about that. So uh, thank you, Tom and Jim, for joining us. Appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, uh, Tyler. Um, you know, I, I started August 23rd, 1974, working for my father at Jim Kelly Buick on Calhoun Street. And uh, no, I always wanted to be in the car business. I just, I always loved it. I loved meeting the people. And, you know, I had a phenomenal mentor. I told people, I, I came from a middle-class family, but I had a world-class father. And he really set the example for me, not only his involvement with the black community in Fort Wayne in the 60s when it wasn't even the thing to do. He did it because it was the right thing to do. He bought Brookwood in 1962, immediately called all his black friends, said, hey, I want you to be members of Brookwood Golf Club. And so that was that's who I grew up with and mentored me. So a lot of the things that we've done in our community and, and the groups we've been involved with are because of that upbringing. And I've tried to you know, show that to Jim and Stephanie and my other kids that are in the business and my other you know, cohorts in the business that have worked for us for many, many years that, you know, it's an obligation to your community when you're in business here and you make your living here to make your community better than you found it. And that might be building new dealerships, that might be supporting electric works, that might be supporting the Boys and Girls Club, you know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, whatever you are personally motivated about. And I've, Rudy Mahara founded the Boys and Girls Club and brought me on shortly thereafter, 30 years ago. And when I saw what it did for the underprivileged youth of our community, I was all in and my dad was all in. And so that's probably the strongest commitment we have as a company and a family to any organization is the Boys and Girls Club and now the Jim Kelly Career Pathway Center, which uh, is teaching young kids about the opportunities in Fort Wayne that they could aspire to. Everybody deserves a great opportunity in life. Everybody deserves an opportunity to, to fulfill the all the expectations that they may have of themselves and their abilities, and that hasn't always happened. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my dad was funny. We'd go out on a fundraising trip to one of his buddies, and he'd say, damn it, 
He goes, they're either going to be your future customers or your future employees. Give me some money. Mm-hmm. And it's really that simple. These mm-hmm. people can be our future employees, which we need thousands of, or our future customers for all kinds of businesses. And uh, that's probably my biggest mission at my stage in life is to try to make sure that happens. And, uh, you know, Jim's been active with that. And so has my wife, Patty, has been very active. We as a family adopt it. And uh, we've just seen so many really cool things happen with some of these kids. You just don't understand how much potential they have that they just don't know they have. And never mm-hmm. been given an opportunity to, to show it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tom, when you're talking about that, I think a lot of when people who are listening to our podcast, some of them are not from Fort Wayne. Believe it or not, we do send this out to future people who might come or through a community tour. Can you just give a little bit of history of Fort Wayne when you're saying Patty and Jim and your company, a little just a little bit more history of that, sure. if you will? Absolutely. So my dad got into the G apprentice school in 1936. He was a poor farm kid from Spencerville, Indiana had some friends in Fort Wayne that wanted to get him an opportunity, like I'm describing, and uh, got him in the GE Apprentice School as a graduating senior in high school. He got a two-year degree in mathematics and other things and also learned to be a toolmaker. And he always said, Tom, that was the foundation of my life. Nothing good is ever built on a bad foundation. A couple years later, he got in the airplane business, and uh, on August 21st, 1952, he was buying his first car dealership, a Dodge store, here in Fort Wayne, Hainer Dodge. And my mom called him from Michigan and said, hey, I have a baby. It's going to be a month early. My water broke. He said, get to the airport. So he signed those papers, flew to Michigan, picked her up, flew her back. And that afternoon, I was born at Lutheran Hospital. So people say, how long have you been flying? All my life. How long have you, how long have you been in the car business? All my life. So that's how we got in the car business. Um, and, uh, you know, I have uh, my son, Jim, who's the oldest uh, of, of all my kids. He's uh, president of the company. Uh, Stephanie, my stepdaughter, is a little bit younger than Jim, and she is uh, chief operating officer of the company. Emily, um, her sister, is uh, head of all our digital marketing and those kind of efforts. Uh, so, you know, three of our, our children, between Patty and myself, Patty and I have been married almost 25 years, and it's great to see Steph and Em and Jim all work together, and, and, and they are the next generation, the third generation of the Kelly family business. Uh, we were able to complete a large project here, this new auto mall we're in, just finishing up now, and we started in 2019. So needless to say, we opened during COVID. That was a fun experience. But uh, we got it all done, and uh, we believe, uh, carry very strongly in Fort Wayne and where it's headed, the kind of work ethic the people in Fort Wayne have, the kind of quality of lifestyle it offers employees. And uh, we're excited about expanding in Fort Wayne, and that's why we acquired the Jaguar Land Rover franchise. We added BMW and then Mini. And, and we look at opportunities to diversify our portfolio with brands that are going to be successful in foreign areas. So, like I said, my dad got in the aviation business. I've been flying for 55 years, I think, something like that. I hate to well, say that. Well, that'll tell you his age. Yeah, 71 in August. You know, and Jim has flown some. But, you know, it's uh, very fortunate that I had a, a father like I did that taught me to fly airplanes. He taught me to sell cars. He taught me to play golf to some fairly good degree. But the biggest lesson he taught our whole family was how to interact with your community and how to make your community better. I think one of the things that I find very appealing about Kelly family, Kelly Automotive, is that you're willing to get on board and help Fort Wayne grow. You so believe in our community. And I know I was, we just had a meeting with uh, Greater Fort Wayne, and they were saying Fort Wayne is the fastest growing town or one of the fastest growing towns from Pennsylvania to Iowa. 
and it just seems like you've jumped on board and you've you know, decided that, yeah, I'm in too. And that's what I think that was really appealing and why Tyler and I wanted to sit down with the two of you and talk to you and see. And, and I didn't honestly, Tom, know you had anything to do with Electric Works. So, I mean, that's very exciting as well because that's a really great new project that was here in Fort Wayne. And I was wondering if Jim or Tom, you could you know, expand a little bit on what is GE Works. Electric Works. So Electric, Electric Works. Works is where my dad learned to be a toolmaker. The GE manufacturing plant on Broadway comprises some over a million square feet of buildings, and GE left Fort Wayne. They're empty. A group of people got together and wanted to d develop it. And um, so a number of people got involved, and uh, Eric Doden took me a tour through there five or six years ago and showed me where my dad became a toolmaker, which was pretty cool. And then had some political issues getting all the things approved. And I said, you know, darn it, we need to get this done. So I've got some phenomenal friends, Carrie. Chuck Surak, Sweetwater Sound founder. Mark Music, Ruoff Mortgage president. Mark Millett, president of Steel Dynamics. And Tim Ash, president of Ash Brokerage. I got them together. The five of us met with the mayor once a week from August of that year until basically in December when everything came together and got the project done. And what's really unique about Fort Wayne is Fort Wayne is a big city, but a dozen people can move the needle in Fort Wayne. It doesn't take 100 people. And you can get five to a dozen people together on a cause or a, whatever mission you're on and really move the needle in Fort Wayne because we have, you know, it, it's city administration, county administration that are willing to try to make this stuff happen. The landing is a good example, all the cool stuff that's happening down there. So when you see the, those efforts and you see that success, it just helps it go. And so now Do It Best moved from New Haven into Electric Works. They took almost 600,000 square feet of space there, I think, or 400. They've got 500 employees working there, and we'd have lost them had we not got Electric Works done. So eventually there'll be about 2,500 employees there in the original scope of about 700,000 square feet. It's phenomenal. They have restaurants. Uh, it's amazing how they took those old buildings and made them look really nice and new, but yet nostalgic and uh, they've done a great job with it yeah they d really did maintain the integrity of the buildings that's for sure the other thing too that i found really interesting is uh that they ended up putting a high school in there it's uh you know and, and when we talked about this jim kelly career pathway center which i mentioned a little bit which is associated with the boys and girls club it's a it's a building we bought that's two doors down from the boys and girls club and basically every fort Wayne community school seventh and eighth grader will go through there and go through these labs that show them opportunities of employment in the Fort Wayne market. Auto technicians, um, HVAC work, 3D printing work, uh, welding, all kinds of things. There's some of it's virtual and some of it's hands-on learning experience. So these kids may find something they're passionate about. And then our mission is, okay, if you're passionate about being an auto technician, we're gonna help you get a job in Fort Wayne and get the training. If you're passionate about working in Sweetwater Sound or you're passionate about working for Steel Dynamics, or Parkview Hospital, or Indiana IU Health, or whatever. We want to help get those kids in that pathway. And that's what I think is making a difference in Fort Wayne. I think you have those kind of programs. And when you're an outside business looking for a place to go, and you see those kind of programs trying to make the community better, I think it gives you a good feeling about the general commitment of the residents of Fort Wayne, the people in Fort Wayne, and how they're trying to make the community better for not only the people that are here now, but the employees coming with another company that might move here. Mm -hmm. I agree. And the other thing too is a lot of, there's a lot of uh, children who are not college where they would like to go to college. I mean, it seems like we're, we're lacking in the, the um, trades fields. 
So I think that's a wonderful aspect of it. I think we lost that somewhere. We, we absolutely did. I, I've had a number of conversations with uh, Todd Houston, who's Speaker of the House in Indiana, and Katie Jenner, Secretary of Education. And for the state, 48% of our high school seniors either graduate from college or have a career of some kind out of high school, which is dismal. And so our mission is to improve that number to 90, 95%, which means that, okay, 40, 45% of the kids probably should go to college. The other 55% need a career. And, you know, my dad didn't go to college, and I think he turned out pretty good. And so what we're trying to do is get away from saying they're just trades, but they're careers because they are careers and they get extra education. Most employers hire these kids out of high school, will continue to give them more education throughout their career and make them more valuable to themselves and make them more valuable to the business. And those kids can take those jobs anywhere. You become a nurse, an auto technician, any of these trades, you can go anywhere in the United States to get a job tomorrow. That's true. And so those are the kind of jobs that we need to create here in Fort Wayne. And we've got, you know, probably 20, 25,000 people that I say are either underemployed or unemployed that ought to have good jobs. And that's one of the groups of people going after. And then we're going to go after the, you know, we have 4,500 kids a year graduate from high school from our four school systems. And I've been working with all four school superintendents. Uh, I have a meeting with Mark Daniels uh, tomorrow afternoon again to figure out how do we get these kids in a career center of some kind to teach them these skill sets when we have employers like General Motors and Parkview and IU Health and all these huge employers craving people to come to work for them and these kids don't know those opportunities exist. I've got an interesting stat just on the topic. So we've got a couple different internship programs that we have here at Kelly Automotive and one of them is with Fort Wayne Community Schools. So we have, you know, high school juniors and seniors that come in half day, they're, they're technicians, they're, they're going to school normal about half a day and then they come here half a day and, and uh, work with a, with a you know, full-time technician, um, a mentor. And of the 13, 11 will come on board uh, full-time when they graduate this May, June. So for us, it's just a fantastic... That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, fantastic that's stat. That's fantastic. And that's, you know, perfect situation for us to, to get a technician. You know, a um, lot better retention when, you know, we can grow them on our own and train them here. Um, so we're really excited for the, for that program to continue to grow that program and uh, have good results our, our first year with it. Yeah, that's awesome. The Jim Kelly Career Pathways, is it the center? Is that yes. the center? Yes. It sounds amazing. Could you kind of tell us how did that start? How did it come to fruition, <laughs> the process to get that to where it is now? Well, um, you know, I had this vision of my father talking to me about, you know, the, the, the apprentice school he went through, right, and how we used to teach people careers, trades here in Fort Wayne through the various manufacturing companies, and those all went away for some reason. And so we lost that solid middle class of America that was the backbone of our country. We have the super rich, and then we have the people that are working at McDonald's or Burger King, and they're not making a sustainable living, and that's just not right. And so um, one day, Joe Jordan called me and said, hey, I, you and the mayor need to come over and look at this building. It's available two doors down for the Boys and Girls Club. And I said, okay. So we're walking through there, and Joe's got this vision to bring kids in and talk to them about careers and stuff. And I'm not going to say the price of the building, but I said, Joe, do you really want the building? He said, yes. Okay, I'll buy it in about 10 minutes. <laughs> and so then we had to figure out what we're going to do with it. But from that day, nine months later is a month ago when we opened the Jim Kelly Career Pathway Center. And uh, we're going to bring, you know, 2,000 kids a year through there. 
Wow. From, and, and we're going to get the other school systems involved. Mark Daniels has been phenomenal. He's going to bring all his 7th and 8th graders through there, which is about 2,000 kids a year, and show them these career opportunities. And it's interesting to see. They have these Oculus devices where these kids can, you know, they can change their oil in a car virtually and find out if they did it right. They can paint a fender on a car. We have a, a, a simulator where they can drive a bulldozer. They can operate a back-end loader, front-end loader, whatever. And these kids come in there and just go, wow, this is so cool. And we just have so many more opportunities to expose them to. This is just the tip of the iceberg, but we had to start somewhere. Sure, And the, the enthusiasm these kids show that somebody cares and is willing to give them this opportunity. And I told Joe, I said, Joe, I can promise you, if you have a kid come through there that should go to college, we'll make sure they get to college. We will make sure they get there and get it paid for and if they ought to be, you know, a, a career-oriented person, we'll make sure they get placed where they want to go and make sure they have a chance to rise up to that corporation, wherever it may be. But there's just a, there's a huge, it, it's like a business. We have this demand for the product, and we have the product, which is the kids coming out of high school. And I can tell you today, we have more demand for that product than we can create. Uh, Gary Duff's the plant manager at General Motors out here, and he said, Tom, you put kids, two kids to that two-year program in high school, and you train them to come to work at General Motors, I'll hire 400 kids a year. Wow. Now think about that. Wow. 400 high school seniors a year going to work at GM, lifetime health care, job opportunities. And then you have IU Health came in and gave us a million dollars to help support the center. They're needing to hire hundreds of people. Parkview's mm-hmm. need to hire hundreds of people. Lutheran's need to hire hundreds of people. Then you have all these other businesses that need to hire people. So we have more demand for career-oriented kids coming out of high school than we have high school seniors. But yet, today, 2,000 are coming out of high school without a career, mm-hmm. which is the huge gap that I just can't stand, and we're going to get it fixed. That's fantastic. Do you have to be in seventh and eighth grade to go through it? Could a no, sixty-five-year-old woman go through it? Anybody can go through it. So we have we actually are also entertaining kids that have graduated from high school that haven't found a career to go back through. So Joe is working with his staff there to, to open it up to all age groups. We just started with seventh and eighth graders because we want to get the program going where in high school they can say, Hey, I wanna I wanna learn to be whatever. Okay, fine, we'll get you in a program to teach you that. Now we don't have all the classrooms set up. We don't have a center set up. We're talking about that where we might build a huge Anthos Career Center type thing on steroids mm-hmm. where these kids would go. Because if you're going to teach advanced manufacturing, you're going to teach robotics, you're going to teach a lot of this stuff, you're going to need a lot of equipment. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have a centralized location where all four school systems could use that facility together. But no, Carrie, we, you know, if somebody's 30 years old and says, you know, I want to see what's out there in the world, but I might build, i got plenty of time in my life to, you know, learn something. We, we welcome anybody coming through. That's awesome. I think sometimes too, because we haven't had that type of thing in school. When I was in school, you went to you had automotive class during high school, and they seem to let go of all of that. Like, yeah. how, you know, shop class. Yeah, there's no shop class anymore. Now they're bringing back, like the program with Fort Community Schools, where we're hiring these kids. That Jim and Stephanie have been involved. We actually have also have been bringing interns in. Uh, Jim, you might want to talk a little bit about that program. That's kids that are in college, and I'll let Jim talk about that, another avenue of employment. Yeah, so our summer internship, last year we had uh, 12 students from the Midwest you know, that are juniors and seniors in college. This will be our sixth year for the program. Currently we have 11 already on board and, and um, should have about 15 um, at this, when we start uh, middle of May. But it's a phenomenal program. You know, the students come in. Um, they are uh, typically business oriented in their 
major in college, but it starts with uh, a couple weeks of intense training. You know, they start, they just don't learn sales when they're here. You know, they visit all departments of the dealership. It is basically sales focused. Um, They're paired with a sales consultant who's their mentor. And, you know, throughout the summer, they're assisting them. You know, they're learning our business. They're learning, you know, how to talk to customers, you know, all aspects of of the business. And by the end of the summer, they're actually selling cars. And it's been a phenomenal program. I will say some of our best employees that we have here today came through this internship program. And it's only going into our sixth year. It's just been outstanding. So our goal would be to have 25 to 30 interns a a summer if we could. Um, We have a few that are coming out of uh, the South. So we're starting to expand, not just Midwestern universities, but uh, throughout uh, the United States. So, hey, we're always in in need of great people. You know, we, we try and teach them too that, you know, being a salesperson selling cars, you know, it, it doesn't probably have the best reputation. Um, <laughs> it's right there with realtors. It is, yeah, yeah, and lawyers. Yeah. Used car salesmen. But um, when you really get into our business and really learn our business, it's so much more. And when you go around the country, you know, we try to, you know, tell people there's so much opportunity within the car dealership. You know, you look at some of the most successful car dealers throughout the country. I mean, they started out as porters washing cars. Some of these own 20, 30 dealerships. And it's just, it's fascinating to hear these stories. So, you know, we try and teach kids that there's so much opportunity. It's much more than selling cars. It's building relationships, you know, learning business. And and like I said, I think the best part about the program is just seeing the smiles on these kids' faces when they're here in the summer. It's our it's our favorite time of the year, having the students here. It's super exciting. I've got a, a good friend who's a dealer down in uh, Tyler, Texas, and his son goes to Texas A&M, and he'll be with us this summer. So his dad said, if you want to get in the car business, you're going to go somewhere else first. So he's going to start here. And, you know, our goal is to hire every single one of these kids, you know, when they graduate. And a lot of the kids, you know, they're going to school locally. A lot of the ones that go through our internship program, you know, while they, the program's over with, they stay on board part-time. So they're still, you know, getting their degree, but they might be a, a genius, a product specialist that we have. They might sell cars part-time. Um, whatever fest they want to do, but it's just been an incredible way for us to to find, you know, good talent. Sounds like you're teaching them people skills, too. You know, so many times it's, um, when I've interviewed young people to come and work with me, it's all phone, texting, and, you know, and, and they're, they're, it's hard for them to have a, a conversation face-to-face. So it sounds like you're teaching them very good people skills. Absolutely. Absolutely. I said, if, we always tell people, if you have a great attitude, you know, and you're willing to talk to anyone, you'll be very successful. You know, good work ethic. It's just, uh, it's it's been a fantastic business for us and and we love to pass on our knowledge um, to the future generation. That's awesome. I I do have a car business question real quick. And this will be for both of you. How has the car business changed since you've been in it? And where do you see it going? What are you excited about in the direction that it's going? You know, since the 70s, I, I think the biggest thing that I've seen change, not only with the product, but the whole process is technology, right? So the cars today have so many features that can protect you and take care of you, but they also offer you entertainment and whatever. And and it's just phenomenal, the things that, and it's coming faster and faster and faster and faster all the time. Um, and, and the way we do business, you know, it's like however the customer wants to do business. If we have customers that have bought cars from us for 30 years and want to come in and sit down and talk to a salesperson across the desk, um, we've really tried hard, especially since we opened our Saturn store in 91, to sort of come up with a Saturn style of selling cars where we don't try to see how much somebody will pay. I remember the first car I ever sold. This goes back to August of 74. I'm in my dad's showroom on Calhoun Street. 
Then this couple came in and said, hey, we worked with your dad at GE, and we want to buy another vehicle Sabre. And I said, great. So we went out the lot, we walked around, which is what you did back then, and we picked out a car, we test drove it. We pulled up in front of the Buick store, and they had about a three-year-old Buick LeSabre to trade in. I never gave them a price of the car. I never told them the trade was worth it. They looked at each other and said, okay, we'll take it. And I go, well, I haven't sold any cars yet, but normally I thought people would ask how much. I said, no, we trust your dad. We'll buy the car. I go in and see my dad, and he goes, yeah, normally he's on the showroom, but he's in his office. No, here's the discount. Here's the car's worth. And he gives me this worksheet. Of course, I grabbed it and went to turn around. Of course, he did let go of it. And he looked me straight in the eye and said, Tom, if you just treat every customer as if they're your best friend, you'll be okay. You'll sell a lot more cars than if you try to size up every customer and how much will they pay. He goes, I don't want some 80-year-old grandma coming in here and have to bring her son-in-law with her to buy a car. And I don't want some young gal that just graduated from college buying her first car to have to bring her boyfriend or dad in to buy the car. I want to be the kind of store and have a reputation where these people say, you know what, I can buy a car from Kelly's. I know I'm going to get a fair deal. I know they'll take care of me after they buy the car. And so we try to tailor the process to the customer. If they want us to bring the car to their house, we do that. If they want to do anything online through email or text messages, we do that. If they want to do with videos, we do that. So I think the key, how it's changed, is how we've had to adapt to how customers want to transact the purchase of a car. And if we sell... 15,000 cars this year or whatever, there's, you know, not a lot of them are going to be exactly the same. Every process is a little bit different. Um, and, and our big key is the number of customers that come back and repeat, you know, from us or, or refer customers to us. And that's what we try to f- focus on with our family approach. I'm available. I don't hide from anybody. You've got my cell phone. Jim's available. Stephanie's available. They know if they buy a car that they can talk to us and we're going to be there. And my people know that if I'm around all the time, they're going to do what's right because I'll find out if they didn't. And and we don't want them to even think about it, right? So, sure. Sure. Jim, you might share that. I mean, you've been in, you got in the business in 2000. Yeah, you know, I think uh, the technology is great. You know, there's a lot of ways to buy a car today. And it's just we try and provide the, you know, what's most convenient for you. We have a lot of customers that still want to come in and do the traditional test drive and the t- traditional process. And we have a lot of customers that I'll never meet. I'll just talk to on the phone or send text through and and they still buy the car. So there's a lot of different ways to buy a car today and I think that's what's great for the consumer. There's a lot of information. Our business is very transparent today. We talk about the reputation of a car salesman. You know, it's changed so much in how we do business, even in the last five years Mm. and how much is gonna change. Um, You still can't fully buy a car online in Indiana. There's a couple signatures you actually have to have on paper. And, you know, as we work to change that, it's really more for the convenience. You know, customers still might come in and they still want to test drive a car, but at the end of the day, they might do the paperwork at their house. Um, So it's just, it's really neat to see the direction it's going. Um, Will there be a time where people never, you know, come into the dealership and they just sit on their couch and buy a car? It just depends, you know. I was just saying it, just how different, you know, everyone wants to buy. But um, for us, uh, we just try and make it as easy as possible for the customers and, and uh, really give them, you know, the option that works best for them. So I will answer your question about where you're going there. There is a, a company coming out, or there's a, a startup called Pineapple, and they are working on you being able to purchase a home through your phone using blockchain and Bitcoin and Ethereum. So you can just do it all. So that's probably coming for the car business, too. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. But at the end of the day, though, my point is, I think the consumer still wants to sit in the car. Oh, yeah. Smell the... Ve- I mean, 
I can make a used car look really good online, yeah. but when you show up to test drive it, it could be... It's a, a tactile experience. A one exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So we still find that with customers, the touch, the feel, mm -hmm. the set, you know, that uh, they enjoy. So. so we've touched on some things that you guys are important to you within the community, right? As a whole, what are, what are some criteria things that you think, yeah, this is something I do want to get behind and I do want to support? I, I think the, the, for me personally, the biggest thing is one... Is this project going to improve uh, the quality of life for the people in Fort Wayne? Right? Whether it's a development, and, and all these developments I've talked about, the only one that I'm involved financially with is Automall. So I had no stake whatsoever in Electric Works, no stake in any of the projects in the landing. I, I did donate the money for the building for the Jim Kelly Career Pathway Center. But you know, I, I think that, that if you're going to get involved in a developmental type project, and support it. I think it's got to make the lives of people in Fort Wayne better. It can't be just about somebody making some money doing development. And when we talk about the charities or those kind of organizations, I really like to focus on the ones that are really giving people that don't necessarily have the right opportunity the right opportunity, which is mm -hmm. what the Boys and Girls Club does, Big Brothers Big Sisters does it. There are some organizations that really can change the lives of people. Those are what I've gravitated to because that's what my dad gravitated to sure. and that's how I how I was raised um, and there's a lot of fine organizations whether it's the arts or whatever Philharmonic all great organizations it's just that I only have so much time sure yeah and I got to focus it on where I think I can make a difference and when I'm really passionate about something I tend to be a little more focused than if I'm not quite so passionate about sure it. makes sense human it's human yeah yeah and that's one thing I will say about my dad. It's not, he just doesn't give monetarily. He gives his time. Sure. You know, he, he gives us so much time he spent for electric works. I can't uh, countless hours on the Jim Kelly, you know, career pathway Academy and, and how many hours you will spend going forward. But uh, no, it's just, that's with him. It's, it's great to see that. And yeah. like I said, anyone can write a check, but when you really it's a donate your time, it's, it's a different it's, level of involvement. It is. Yeah, it is for sure. Yep. Do you encourage your employees to get involved with um, outside activities or community involvement? We do. We do. So we, um, there's a number of different organizations we're involved with um, where we do encourage our employees to get out there and be active and volunteer. And we've got an uh, executive team that um, we make our decisions on you know, where we're going to donate our time and events we're going to attend. And so we definitely encourage our employees to, uh, to get out there and, and do the same. What advice would you have for maybe another local business who kind of wants to get involved in the community and they're not really sure where to start? I think the biggest thing is, is depending on who the person is, what, what are you personally passionate about, right? What gets your attention? What raises your interest? If you're reading the paper, there are certain articles that you'll gloss over and there are certain articles you'll focus on. It's the same with organizations in our community. I think some, you know, uh, I have a, a friend of mine who's part of this Career Academy stuff, which I can only focus on the, the high school portion. He and, and his wife are really focused on early childhood development, right? So that when kids, you know, pre-K, when they're, when they maybe have a single parent who's working two jobs, don't have that parental guidance and care, you know, how do we help those kids? So when they get to kindergarten and first grade, they're on the same par as somebody who's got two doctors as parents, for instance, sure, right? Sure, sure. So that they're, and I love it because you, you find these groups of people that are super passionate about all these different stages of a young person's life. And that's what makes the world go around. We yeah. can't do it all, right? right. Uh, and so I think you got to find out, you know, what are you passionate about? What's maybe affected your life at some point? You know, what made a difference in your life? Do you relate to that? Or something that you can get enthusiastic about? Because when you're, 
I tell my friends, I said, look, if you're going to help an organization, <laughs> let me give you some advice. You've got to be passionate about it. You've got to be the first in with your money. You don't go out and try to raise money without being the first in because if you're passionate about it, they'll see that. They'll mm. feel that. It's like if I go out and tell Carrie I'm going to try to sell her a new car and it's the right car for her, which is what we try to figure out, she'll be able to tell that I'm enthused and I'm emotional about that. And if it's not, she'd be able to tell. And that's why mm. one of my dad's famous lines always was, the easiest car to sell somebody is the right one. Mm because you don't have to make anything up when you're selling the car, right? You're, right. You, you know it's the right person for this family or this person, and, and that you people feel that. It's the same when you're behind an organization. If you're doing it, giving it lip service, they'll be able to tell. If sure. you're passionate about it, and it isn't always the money, it's the involvement, it's the, it's the recruitment of other friends to be involved. It's the, sometimes the organization needs some help with a, a charity event or something. And, and sometimes the time is just as important as being able to write a check. Yeah. So what do you enjoy most about living and working in Fort Wayne? Jim? And this is for either one of you or both of you. I'm not going to say because it it's a great place to raise a family because I've always heard that. And, you know, it's great for when you're in your 40s, but when you're 22, 23 years old, um, it doesn't mean much. I think Fort Wayne for me, while it's home, born and raised, you know, I love traveling, but I don't know. I just, you know, I've always loved living here. All my friends are here. Uh, my family's here. You know, our business is here. It's just been, it's been great to the Kelly family. And um, it's just been a, a great place to, to be able to raise my family, as I joked earlier about not saying it's a great place to raise a family. It really, truly is. And I think we're very fortunate uh, to live here. Yeah. He also gets to live on the 11th hole of Sycamore Hills Golf Club, which is, of course, <laughs> my dad and I opened it, built in 1989. And I was going to say one of the things that, I love about Fort Wayne, I, I st even though I'm not as good as I it was, um, I love to play golf and to have a, a Jack Nicklaus golf course here in Fort Wayne, which normally wouldn't have been here had my dad not decided he wanted to do it. it there's a lot of people that I run into all the time, and even though we don't own it anymore, um, you know, they still say, hey, thank you, because if it, it wouldn't have been for the effort of your father and you, it wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't get a chance to play this cool golf course, and if you're a golfer, you appreciate that, right? If yeah. you're a tennis player, you can, that's different. But so I really, I live out, you know, Southwest. And so it's easy for me to get there and play golf. And I play golf with my grandkids and Jim and my wife, Patty. And it's a, that's my favorite sport pastime, if you want to call it, yeah. other, other than selling cars. Yeah. You know, it's funny, one of my best friends lives out in New York, and he's so jealous that I get to, you know, drive five minutes to work and <laughs> live on the golf course. He's like, you know, you never really know how good you have it until maybe you go somewhere else. And he was back here a couple months ago and just you know, reinstated the fact that uh, how fortunate we really are to live here in Fort Wayne. And he was born and raised here as well. And we do have it pretty good here in Fort Wayne. You know, it's funny on a, on a personal note, I, I coach high school basketball. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but I coach high school basketball at Leo and the head coach and I have had this discussion a lot in the past year is just the state of gratitude. You know, just being thankful for what you have and yep. not what you don't have. And it seems to be kind of the key to happiness. Right, just being grateful. It is one of the things I love. I love the four seasons. You know, as much as I don't love February, uh, March is right around the corner, and it's just you know, it's it is. It's uh, we're fortunate we're centrally located. We can get to India in two hours. We can get to Chicago in three hours. Um, there's the lakes. You know, you can go to the lake in the weekend. It's an hour drive. 
I was talking to so, someone else ironically last week. They have to drive seven hours to go to their lake. It's just, you know, we just have a lot of, lot of good things working for us here in uh, northeast Indiana. Well, one of the things when I'm doing a community tour for some of the physicians that are coming into town, where Fort Wayne is located, we're, we're around 25% of the population of the United States. And I said when my kids were growing up, it was really nice because we could take a three, four-day weekend and go to all the major cities, and they got to experience that. And I just had a physician in yesterday, and they had never been to Cleveland. They had never been to Columbus. And so coming here was very uh, interesting for them, and um, I think something that they might want to do because of being able to travel around and see all the different major cities. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because when we did the, the pitch to get the Jaguar Lenover franchise because there was not one here, Eric Doden was at the time with Greater Fort Wayne. And he brought all his numbers with him. And, and at that point in time, he, he said, well, we can prove that the business radius of Fort Wayne is 60 miles. We can show that the majority of those people would rather come to Fort Wayne, a lot for medical care, because we have such fine medical facilities here in Fort Wayne. But for the other, like Sweetwater, and people come all over the world, actually, for Sweetwater. But so in that 60-mile radius is 1.2 million people. Now, people wow. don't think about that, but that is really the Fort Wayne market. But... A lot of people say, you know, like my daughter Emily moved here from Chicago. She lived there 12 years. She says, you know what? I love to live in Fort Wayne. I love to visit Chicago, but I don't want to live there anymore. <laughs> so, no. you know, you can visit Chicago for three days. You can go to Detroit, go to a baseball game, football game, go to Cleveland, go to Columbus, Indy, wherever you want to go. And like Carrie said, you know, I, I think I read one time that within, you know, 150 miles of Fort Wayne, there's like 100, 100 and some million people. Um, and, and that's what's unique. You have this access to all these other parts of our Midwestern United States, but yet you get to live in a place that's the cost and feel of a smaller town, right? right. And the access to your friends. And, you know, I get spoiled. That's 15 minutes to work. It's five minutes to the golf course, 20 minutes to the airport. And that doesn't change much, and I take that for granted unless I'm stuck in traffic somewhere else. I go, man, I'm glad I don't live here. <laughs> Tom, you kind of let something out of the bag there. You said baseball in Detroit. Are you a Detroit Tigers fan? I have a Rocky Calavito baseball card. <laughs> 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 I mean, back in the 60s, Kent Horman, who was a newscaster, was a neighbor of mine, and Kent was a Yankees fan. It was the days of Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. And I, for some reason, was a Detroit Tigers fan. And Rocky Calavito was an outfielder. I think he was right outfielder. Um, but he was my hero for some reason. And somebody gave me a Rocky Calavito card from 1960 or whatever. But uh, I remember one time my dad fixed us up to go see the Chicago White Sox in Chicago because he had a buddy of his that worked on the team and uh, played the Detroit Tigers. And i never forget, I sat out in the outfield and I wasn't more than 100 feet from Rocky Calavito. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. That's a great story. Good memories, too. Yep. I have a few more for you that are, sure. I, think, uh, I think you'll like some of these. The first one is, how do you guys maintain a healthy work-life balance? Well, you have to enjoy what you, what you do, right? And, and so we, we have tried very hard to make working here a healthy, enjoyable experience as best you can for where you have to go to work, right? And that's, you know, we're just getting ready in two weeks to open up a a company fitness facility in a building in the old automall brand new building we just built so you know we're gonna have a really nice state-of-the-art fitness facility for our employees uh, I want to give them time to go do that right and if you know somebody comes to me and they're you know Scott Brooks our one of our key managers our BMW stores daughters played college uh, volleyball and high school volleyball and 
you know, if he needs to go to a game at four in the afternoon, he go to the game, right? Your family is, without them supporting you to work here, you wouldn't be any good to the company. So sure. we have to be flexible with our employees' lives and their families so that their families want them to come to work here, but yet they have plenty of time to spend time with their families. And I think that's something that the team, the executive team, which we have nine people on, um, have done a very good job of helping sort out on holidays and giving extra time off and some of the things we've tried to do to make it a great place to work so that people don't need to look for another job. And then it's our it's our responsibility to see to it that they have the opportunity to advance within the company to meet their personal goals and, and objectives. But, um, you know, and, and I, I just think it's, you know, it's made up for a healthier mentally, healthier physically, workforce. Uh, and I think people enjoy coming to work when they know it's, you know, you, you give them that flexibility to take the time off when they need to do that for whatever reason. Yeah. What advice would you give anyone that's looking to be a, an entrepreneur in any field? Just what advice would you have for them with all your years of experience? I, I would say find something that you love doing because it's not difficult to get up and be the first one there and the last one to leave when you have to do that, starting a business, if you love it. Mm. And uh, that's, I have not met an entrepreneur, whether it be a Roger Penske or a Chuck Surak of Sweetwater or my dad or anybody who, when they started that business, didn't work a lot of hours because they loved it and they wanted to see it be successful. Uh, and you can't do that unless you are emotionally and engaged and, and, and love it and, and your customers and your people, the two or three people you start with or the five people you start with, your enthusiasm is infectious and they will buy into that core value of your entrepreneur business you're starting. And, and that's what's so important is that you, you set that core value, you set that mission, you set that statement of how you're going to run that business and you're, you love it and you sleep and you breathe it and and it's just i love selling cars to this day i mean if right now i'm sorry if they knocked on the door and said joe smith's out here and wants you to buy a car this interview would be over i'd sure. be out there selling the car <laughs> i get it i can't help it i love satisfying customers and if i ever stop doing that i ought to go retire to florida or something sure. I, that never happens and jim you can talk about it. you're a different generation you know i don't know if you're y or z or a or b or whatever you are but um <laughs> i'm old you, i'm x you can you can talk about your generation and you know the friends that you see that have started business that are successful versus the ones that maybe aren't well and i think a lot of my generation the friends that i have for second or third generation and it's just watching them work with their you know family business and how they interact with you know their parents and but to my dad's point you know i grew up in the business and um, i would come here and on a saturday hang out at the buick store down on calhoun street and just being around it was to me was fun and um, as a kid wandering around the showroom and seeing all the cool cars. But to my dad's point, it's still, even with this generation, it's, it's doing what you love to do and having a passion for it. It might not be the most lucrative thing, but at the end of the day, you know, do what you love to do. There's a podcast I listen to, um, Guy Raz, it's how I built this. And he interviews entrepreneurs throughout the world, you know, you name them, they've probably been on there. And they just talk about their business and how they started. And they all struggled at the beginning and they got through it. And they, it was their passion, though, and their love of the business that really um, made them successful. And, and I think that uh, that has to be key. You know, we spend a lot of hours here. 
um, a lot of time. And, and uh, you know, when you are away from your family, you want to make sure you're doing something that you really enjoy. And, and whether it's you're an entrepreneur or just, you know, your daily work, it's important. I will say that podcast is fantastic. It's awesome. And subscribe to it after you subscribe to this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plug. Um, okay, so if you guys could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be and why? I did a um, magazine spread for business people, I think it was, and it asked, like, who are you or something. There's all these questions. And one of them was, if you could have dinner with four, I'm trying to think who it was, people. I said it was Leonardo da Vinci, Abraham Lincoln, Santa Claus, and Jack Nicholas. <laughs> um, but one, one other key person, I, I would love to... I've, I've listened to audiobooks all the time, um, and audiobooks that are about somebody's life, like Winston Churchill, or a business person that's been successful, not, you know, Hunt for Red October, they're business books, sure. right? And, you know, I, I've really come to appreciate how that man, Winston Churchill, single-handedly kept Britain from surrendering to Hitler and fought that off. And you think today how our world would be different. And we have some difficulties right now, but you think about the last 100 years, what would have been different had they surrendered to Germany and Germany would have won World War II and who knows where we would all be, right? Right. And uh, so I would probably have to say if I could have dinner with Winston Churchill, I, okay. would not, I would not drink as much scotch as he would drink, <laughs> but I, I'd love to talk to him for a couple hours yeah. and just pick his brain and said, okay, what, you know, and again, it was the passion for his country mm -hmm. and the passion for his people that gave him the courage to say, we will not ever, ever surrender. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to be passionate if you say that because you know you're going to fight to the death, right? Well, they didn't. They ended up winning, but... Uh, he instilled that passion in the people he was talking to, just like you would in a business where you're talking to a group of salespeople, whatever. You have to instill your passion and your motivations in them because they may be new, they may be young, they may not know what life's about, right? Mm -hmm. and, and some of that comes from you know surviving GM going bankrupt and surviving COVID and surviving all the things we've survived over the last 48 years I've been in the business. Um, and you just culminate all that and sort of learn from it and try to pass that on to anybody that'll listen. I sat in the BMW showroom yesterday for an hour and a half, didn't plan on it, and they just started asking me questions about the, where the car dealerships used to be in Fort Wayne, and how'd you get in the business, and how'd this happen, and how, where, where did you first learn to fly, and who have you known? And I just kept rattling on, you know, how I got to know Jack Nicholas, and how I got to know Bobby Knight, and how I got to know George H.W. Bush so well, and fly him around and do these cool things just because I was the right place at the right time, and I you know, tried to be nice to people, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, uh, I'm off your question, but I think if, if you're just nice to people and, and give them respect and do the right thing for them without any ulterior motive, you'd be surprised how many times, five years later, 10 years later, that favor you did mm -hmm. comes back when you're not expecting it, mm -hmm. right? I've had that happen so many times where I did a favor for somebody unintentionally, just did it because it was the right thing to do. And five years later, somehow, some way, they returned the favor to me when maybe I really needed it. And I never expected that, right? I didn't do it for that. And right. just be nice to people and show them respect and, and give them the proper digni dignity they deserve. And you know, you're going to make mistakes. We've all made mistakes. There's a lot of do-overs I'd like in my life, right? Sure. But I can't do anything about the past. My dad always told me, he said, Tom, if your hindsight's not 20-20, get your eyes checked. <laughs> you <know? laughs> because we could all look back and say, I should have done things differently, mm -hmm. right? But what can I do going forward? Mm -hmm. How can I affect 
other people's lives? How can I pass what things I've learned, how I've survived, how I've made friends? How can I pass that on to the 600 people that work here and the customers that come in and want to talk and Jim and my grandkids and our family? And that's part of the responsibility, I think, that we all have to do that. Yeah, that's really good. You're Your not turn. off the hook. You're on the hot seat now. You're not off the hook. I'd maybe say uh, Christopher Columbus. Okay. Just kind of interesting how, I, and the only reason that one of the top of mind my was talking about it with my kids this morning, but, you know, just set sail and head west. It's just yeah. amazing. You know, yeah. I, I can't imagine what would be going through, you know, your mind not knowing what's on the other end. I mean, we know today. Right. Right. But then, you know, they thought the world was flat. They thought it was going to fall off a, <laughs> a cliff. But Some it, people it, still think the world is flat. Yeah. yeah. It's not? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, but it, it just, to me, it would be um, super, super interesting just to hear, like, you know, the, the stories and, and everything that they went through firsthand and, you know, to go to a, a new world, it would be, it'd be cool. Yeah. If your dad and grandpa were sitting here today, what question would you ask him? Ooh. Hmm. It'd probably be more of a statement. I would just say, you know, I hope that you feel that I learned as much as I could from you and passed it on. You know, I, we all want to do well in our father's eyes, parents' eyes, mother's eyes. But my dad offered so much to me, I would just hope that he thought that I got most of it <laughs> and that he's proud of what we've accomplished. Yeah. Before we probably ask my question, you probably wondered what in the world we were thinking building this uh, <laughs> auto mall. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. You know, I got to spend, I was pretty fortunate. I got to work with him for about three years when I graduated college. He had a grain trading business over in Eastern Europe that I worked for, Transoil. Uh, we bought sunflower seeds and wheat from all over, you know, Kazakhstan and Russia and Ukraine. And um, just that experience with him was, was invaluable. And the time spent, you know, he taught me how to fly. He soloed me um, when I was uh, 18 and just a lot of great memories. So it'd be hard to probably ask him a question um i think be more of just a conversation so we miss him and got to play a lot of golf with him over the years and you know i asked my dad when i first uh, went to work for him why i I had to work for grandpa and he's like because i had to (laughs) 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 but uh no it's just uh so many good memories it it probably wouldn't be a question it'd probably just be a, a a great conversation yeah it sounds like though uh, Tom, you need to write a book on the Kelly uh, <laughs> idioms of what all the things your dad, because there, there's a lot of neat things he said, and they make a lot of sense. He know? did. He, uh, it, you aren't the first person that's told me that. Um, I was very fortunate. I, I, I got most of them. I did, one of his favorite ones was, if you're going to make a mistake, don't waste all day doing it. You know, get it over <laughs> with. So you, I tell people when they're trying to buy a car and they're hemming I said, look, here's my dad's favorite line. If you're making a mistake, don't waste all day doing it. The other thing he used to say when we were selling airplanes to people, and we had some pretty wealthy people that were pretty stingy, and he goes, look, if you can afford to go first class and you don't, your heirs will. So oh, they yeah, think that about makes that a lot and of say, sense. you know, well, I guess I don't want to buy a new Ferrari the day I die. Okay, I'll take the airplane. <laughs> that's a, that's good But advice. he had a lot of those. Carrie, I, it was just a unique upbringing during the Depression. He had, he had a lot, a lot of common sense. And I don't know where that all came from. He used to call it horse sense back in the day. But I call it common sense. And uh, he, could, he was exceptionally good at analyzing people. Uh, the right way and and whether they'd work with us or not and he goes you know i remember one time he 
trusted somebody, it didn't work out. He goes, well, he said, I think it was Johnny Wood, but I'm not sure. But he said, he said, I'd rather trust everybody and be disappointed once in a while than not trust anybody and be miserable. Mm. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. And think about that. You know, and yeah. that was my dad's philosophy. And uh, I would sit in the office right outside his on Calhoun Street. I'd see people come in and, you know, say their car wasn't fixed right. And I knew it was, and they couldn't afford the bill. And I'd say something to my dad, and he said, Well, Tom, that lady's a single mother with three kids. And basically, what she told me was she couldn't afford to pay the bill in her own way. And I said, That's fine. Mm. And I just learned those examples every day from my father of the compassion and, you know, making common sense out of stuff. And he, he said to me one day, as we were, you know, we uh, I sold Sycamore right after he passed away, and, and we'd spent a lot of money on stuff like that that he enjoyed. And he goes, Tom, dying with the most money is not what I'm interested in doing. I'm interested in dying with had, having had the most fun and enjoyment out of life. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know, that's he enjoyed building Sycamore because he knew people would enjoy it. He enjoyed flying people to the Mayo Clinic who were sick and couldn't afford to fly up there, whether it's a child or whatever. He just enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? When Sounds we, like quite the guy. Well, you know, everybody thinks their dad's probably, I hope, thinks their dad's the greatest guy in the world. I don't know if Jim does, but hopefully he does. <laughs> but, uh, we you won't know, put you on the spot I just, on that one. I just learned a lot from him. He was a unique, you know, they call that generation the greatest generation for a reason. Uh, they won World War II. They did a lot of really cool things that were way beyond what was expected of them. And uh, I wish we had more of that in today's world. You sure. know, uh, they took responsibility for their actions. They didn't make excuses. They didn't pass the buck. They said, it's my issue. I'll, I'll fix it instead of, well, it's not my fault. Mm. And I think we've relied too much on that in these last 20 or 30 years. And we got to get back to where people take account for their own actions. And, and we get back down to what really life is all about. You know? Yeah. We are going to finish with five lightning round questions. Fun ones. Okay. You guys ready? Ready. Do we What's both your, answer? Or do we yes. <laughs> what, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie would be Old Yeller. Ooh, okay. Shawshank Redemption. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. What is your favorite book or the book that's made the most impact on you? Uh, either Good to Great or Built to Last by Jim Collins. Okay. Okay. You can say there's so many. My wife, she goes, do you have a library next to your bed? I got like eight books that I'm planning <laughs> on reading. But uh, I get it. I know. It's a favorite band or musical group or actor, whatever. Oh, well, my favorite actor would be John Wayne, of course. Mine's uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Favorite actor? I mean, you're dating me when you say favorite band. Is mine would be Chicago. That's okay. That's okay. I love Chicago, and I love John Wayne. I don't know on favorite actor. That's a good question. Okay. We have two more. Favorite ice cream. Oh. Flavor. Vanilla. Or, uh, no, I'm going to change that. Neapolitan. Okay. That's a strawberry, vanilla, yeah. and chocolate. Oh, yeah. Strawberry. Okay. Last one. Or Briar's is... Mint Chocolate Chip. Probably okay. That's my favorite. Okay. That's probably my favorite. Now, this is going to be probably maybe the hardest one, maybe the easiest one. Your favorite all-time car. My favorite all-time car, 1966, my dad sold car, uh, leased trucks to a man in Chicago by the name of Ross Saragusa. And we go up and visit him Italian through and through. And it's 1966, I'm 13 years old. And we're sitting in this guy's office. He took the train up and he said, Jim, 1959, my wife bought me this two-door Ferrari out here. And I got 14,000 miles and I'm getting too old driving more. I want you to buy it. She paid $14,000 for it. I want you to pay me seven. You can drive it home today. My dad said, okay. And 
we drove that Ferrari home and sat in our garage. And I remember when I was about 25, my dad said, you know, we bought that car. It had 14,100 miles. The day you turned 16, it had like 15,000 miles on it. <laughs> How'd that happen? I said, Dad, you left the keys in it. There's a dealer plate on it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's my favorite car story. <laughs> that's hilarious. Favorite car? Probably that uh, Daytona Spider you had. Yep. What year was that? A 74? 72. 72? Yeah, that, that, that car was, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for taking Absolutely. the time. Real quick, if someone's listening to this and like, you know, we want to look at some cars or talk to some people, how can they get a hold of, you know, Kelly Automotive or whether it's you guys or somebody else? What do they need to do? Well, the easiest way would be drivekelly.com. Okay. Drive, K-E-L-L-E-Y.com. Um, you know, that gets into our, uh, our BDC, our call center. But um, they can email me. My email is tk at... Kelly Auto, K-E-L-L-E-Y-A-U-T-O.com. And I don't have all the answers, but I can surely find somebody that will have the answers. Also, can you give your address, too, just in case somebody's driving by or they're coming down through town? Yes. So the store we're in, our Tom Kelly Buick GMC store, is 555 Grand National Drive, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 46804. And they can email me as well, Jim Kelly. K-E-L-L-E-Y at kellyauto.com. So I had an Uncle John who took the J. Kelly before I got in the business. So I tried, I, I'm like, he never is on email. Can and I our, have that email? They're like, no. Our, no, I'm like. Our Chevy store is on Value Drive right out next to Costco on 3 and 69. And then we have a campus indicator that has Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Chevy. Uh, and then we have the other brands here in the auto mall. So, but if they go to drivekelly.com, they'll see every single car we have for sale, new and used. But like I said, you know, Jim and I are involved in the business, and no, it doesn't matter. I'll give my card to a waitress at some restaurant, and six months later, she says, you told me to call you. I said, I did. Call me. What do you need? I need to find a car, and I'll get a salesperson involved and, and uh, say, hey, take care of this person. That's just, you know, how we do it. It doesn't mean it's right, but that's just how my dad did it. That's yeah. awesome. 